Hi everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about socialism, but my guest David Reggae does. David, thanks for joining the show. (laughs) It's my pleasure. I'd Um, like to get started by asking you, what is socialism? So that's already a controversial question. Um, A lot of people have different definitions of socialism. But there are generally, you know, accepted parameters that are uh, broadly defining like w- what it means for an economy to be a socialist economy. So what a lot of people will say is that socialism is when the government owns companies. Um, I don't really agree with that definition. I mean, that, that is uh, kind of state socialism. But what socialism is really about is about the workers uh, who are actually producing value, having ownership of the means to produce that value. And the way that that's usually formulated uh, is, I think, probably originally quoting Marx's writing as the workers need to own the means of production. So, I mean, in, in just like broad strokes, that's what socialism is kind of all about. Um, a lot of people, when they hear socialism, they think totalitarianism. They think, uh, you know, Big Brother, 1984, um, Animal Farm, anything Orwellian, and uh, uh, really just kind of like the, the leftist sort of... Um, opposite pole to fascism is what I think uh, a lot of people conceptualize it as. So I, I want to ask because you kind of use the word in two different ways. Maybe they mean the same thing, but one of them was um, like, this is how you would describe a socialist economy versus using it as like socialism, which I assume is the same as saying that like, I am a socialist, whatever. I, I don't know if you're catching my drift in terms of the differentiation there like something that describes a socialist society versus socialism or or being a socialist it sounds like there's maybe like a little bit more to the ideology than just like a descriptor right it, it, did i catch like a, a differentiation there or, or are they equivalent those two ways that i said it well i mean I, I think at the at the end of the day, I would say that a person would describe themselves as a socialist to just mean that they subscribe to the idea that a socialist economy is a desirable economy. And I mean, that that is uh, ideology, for sure. There's no escaping that. And uh, I think that ideology, like socialism, is often used today as a scare word, as kind of just like having inherently negative connotations. And that's kind of a shame. I, I think that's really mistaken. Like, it's it's one of these terms that's so broad. Like, ideology just means you're you're talking about a kind of coherent worldview, right? Like, there's nothing nothing like inherently bad about that. Um, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's not good or bad. I think I think a lot of it depends on like what you value and 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 where you draw your morals and. That, that I was actually wondering about that. Like, how would you differentiate? Because I feel like people describe socialism as an economic uh, system or something like that. But to me, it's more of 
like a like a moralistic system because it depends on maybe it's not in itself a moral system but it it makes certain moral assumptions about like what's the propriety of property (laughs) and like uh like ownership and like um you know what what's considered theft and what's considered common good and all that kind of thing so i don't think it's good or bad but i think that i think that it is morally relatively good or bad depending on where you're coming from does that make sense yeah i mean i so not everybody would agree with you that socialism has a kind of moral foundation um that's something that i think that marx wanted to steer clear of in his own writings Mm -hmm. and often he framed things in terms of science and reason and I honestly think kind of like in in the in the tradition of of the enlightenment and emerging republicanism in the world and you know proliferation of democracy I think is really all he had in in mind as kind of like the natural progression of economic systems you know capitalism at the time and specifically industrial capitalism was the uh you know the the latest step in the evolution of uh economic systems in the world and from marx's standpoint it was just the evolutionary arc of human you know political economy is towards socialism and eventually to communism but do you uh, think that it's a moral that, that again is a sorry do you think it's it's like not tied in with moral uh, at all, or like, do you think that it, there's there's no such thing as moral relativism? That that there's one objective morality, because I mean, like I think capitalism is a different system that you 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 don't agree with, but I think that I think it's coming from a different moral foundation. Well, um, I, I'll give you an answer that I don't think all socialists would agree with <laughs> but i, I want to know what I, you think well <laughs> there's many things that i'm probably going to say that you know i can't represent all socialists there's uh, socialists are, are often jews and you know <laughs> we got you get two they of us sure you get three are. opinions so kind of the same thing you can say about uh jews you can say about socialists i've already said something anti-semitic in, the, <laughs> in my first podcast appearance it's okay um, because like <laughs> we we know that it's a joke Okay, if you don't yeah. know, then fuck you. We get, we get, that was a joke, yeah, too. We can, we can always uh, edit it uh, in post or whatever. Nah, but, um, you know, uh, to actually answer the question, I do personally subscribe to uh, moral um, evaluation of systems, uh, including economic systems. And I've talked to you in the past about the fact that, like, you can't really completely extricate an economic system from the political um, environment that it exists in. Um, it's it's impossible past any kind of trivial scale, um, or I should say past any non-trivial scale, to have a stable economic system that isn't backed by some kind of governing body. Um, and so essentially, I I mean, the reason 
for me that socialism has a moral advantage over capitalism is for the same reason that democracy has um, has a moral advantage over aristocracy, which I think is a much more common view today. And, and that has to do essentially with the, the diffusion of power. And in the case of the aristocracy versus democracy, that's the diffusion, we're talking about the diffusion of political power. In the case of capitalism, or before capitalism, feudalism. I mean, capitalism has that that advantage over feudalism itself. And Marx also had had some praise for capitalism because of that. Um, <clears throat> but socialism involves a further diffusion of economic power. And I do think that that's a moral good. Which is interesting because I I... That's not how I would associate socialism. I would associate socialism as, like you started off with, um, you know, like giving the government more power um, over economics, whereas capitalism, the the power is within the people to make their agreements. But I think that the way that socialism takes it is saying that um, that when when the people have all of the power, there's some type of natural exploitation that takes place, and so. Giving the government that power uh, actually distributes the power more fairly because the, it's it's kind of like regulating monopolies, like that kind of thing, where it's like you're giving the government power in order to give other people more power kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, the only thing that I would um, point out is that uh, not all governments are equal and to varying degrees giving the government power can mean giving power to the people. If we're talking about like a really thoroughly going democratic government, then giving power to the government is putting power in the hands of the people because you're giving the people more of a, more of a choice. I mean, if you're putting like, if there's enough, if there is wealth that's uh, owned by the government and it's a really thoroughly democratic society, and so, I mean, under all under all circumstances, you know, we call that public um, wealth. But in a case where we're talking about a society that actually gets to vote on how that wealth is used, that really is power for the people. Um, so I, I definitely would agree that any kind of, you know, overbearing um uh, really like draconian totalitarian regime we shouldn't give that kind of government power uh, any more than we should you know continue to give whatever like oligarchs uh, <laughs> uh i mean i'm in this case i'm trying to talk about like you know corporatists whatever like already exceedingly wealthy people like we shouldn't give them more economic resources or just empowering people who are already like behemoths, right? Like, you, you don't want to do that with political power any more than you want to do that with economic power. But what and if there's a hypothetical aristocratic oligarchic um, dictatorship that has a more fair society than a democratic one? Is that inconceivable? Like if there's a, a, a government that has full power, but gives people equal rights and everything and, and, and treats people fairly and basically has the effects of what you would want in your ideal society, but, but the government is not democratic. 
versus a democracy where 55% of the people vote in favor of something that the other 45% disagree with and it just goes according to majority rules and then uh, as a whole society is 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 less equal and, and fair and this is just a hypothetical it's not even I'm not saying capitalism or anything I'm just I'm just saying d is democracy the only way uh, well to answer to the hypothetical it's not inconceivable I mean for sure you can imagine things happening that way but I don't think there's a lot of empirical evidence for that to really be the case I actually think that if you if you look at if you look at historical examples of uh, governments that are mistreating their people, you don't find that they're democratic governments. Um, I mean, you you find this in, in every like. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, there's exceptions for everything, right? The the ancient <laughs> Greeks had democracy, but they also had slaves, etc. So I'm not trying to pretend that a, you know, a perfectly, de a perfectly democratic um, society is automatically... Well, are there any democratic you know, societies utopian. without that exception? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> without the exception of people who are oppressed, just in general? I mean, I don't think that we have any kind of utopian society today. Like, Certainly like not, if we're talking right? about historical examples, I guess, like what's a good example of a democratic socialist uh, success story? And, and I, I assume is that what we're talking about, by the way? Is that democratic socialism? Uh, you consider yourself a democratic socialist? Is that the, fl the flavor of socialism that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair, you, you gave me a little bit more credit than I'm really due at the start of the pod. Uh, I'm, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> the the, but the I point am, of this podcast I is I don't know anything and you know more than I do. <laughs> that's, that's fair, but I just want to, you know, disclaimer, I'm not an expert. Um, I, I'm definitely like interested in these things and I try to educate myself but I'm, I'm very much totally uh, an fair. amateur and, you know, I may say things that are inaccurate or whatever, totally uh, but, but, but broadly speaking, yes, I would say that I, I fit the mold of a democratic socialist. Um, although I, you know, when, when it comes to labels, uh, often people have slightly different definitions and gradations of different terms. So, I, I'm democratic socialist, but you know, leading leaning more towards full blown socialism and and full blown communism being a kind of like a distant goal. I so how, how do you people, differentiate? A lot of people. What where, where's the a lot line of people between? Take issue with that, but I don't take issue with anything. What's the what's the line between democratic socialist and full blown socialist, as you put it? Like what what would be? Um, I don't know. What's the major difference? Is it a process or is it an end goal? Um, it's it's probably a little bit of both. I think a lot of democratic socialists are okay with having a mixed economy. And I mean, in the interim, I'm fine with that too. But having a capitalist economy that has socialist elements in it, or, or if you want to call it a socialist economy that has so, uh, capitalist elements in it. So for example, you know, there's people who envision socialist societies that are essentially, you know, they still have markets, people are able to 
uh, <laughs> truck and bar or whatever. But um, there are, you know, industries that are nationalized because they're considered to be um, important matters of the public good, like utilities. Uh, some people would argue for some people would argue in the modern era for Internet to be nationalized. So do you uh, so consider the United States to be that category of, of a capitalist country with socialist programs and, or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much every, every developed country in the world has some, um, some degree of maybe not technically socialist, but at the very least kind of uh, collectivist or if you want to call it communitarian uh, programs. So any kind of welfare or um, any kind of, you know, um, government intervention that's legitimately for the public good. Like, I don't think that anybody could argue with even the even the most like staunchly uh, most of what you'll find is like uh, anarcho-capitalist uh, folks would would still allow for like okay i mean the government can provide police to protect no, property or the government can <laughs> that, that's what the that's what the road. anarcho in front of the capitalist means is that they would not they would not agree with that um regular libertarians well, would but... there, there's people who there's people who say that about like themselves but they still subscribe to some Anyway, completely. I, I think if like you if you ascribe to some government, you're no longer an anarchist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. That's hard. It's hard for me to uh, do these like the in the in the middle kind of lines, but that one's like a that's like a an extreme line. That's like that one's easy for me. It's like no, they don't they don't want. But but what they do want is kind of similar to what a government would do. They just wouldn't use that word. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, you're playing word games at that. Well, point. I'm not. Like, they are, and it's it's still it's not a word game. There's a difference between um, a government that you set up as a contract with your neighbors that is completely consensual that you don't want to call a government versus one that you didn't choose that is just imposed on you based on your geographic location where you have to be, where you happen to be. So it's on one hand, it's kind of a word game, but it's also it, it's it's a real distinction, but like I said, I don't think it has a real difference, but there is a distinction. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You also have to consider, like, if, if, even, even if you're allowing for, like, okay, it's a government that was, like, if you want to be really charitable and say the United States was created by people who got together, you know, like, okay, they were essentially the... Uh, they essentially were the aristocracy in the colonies who, who put together the government, right? But at the time, who else was going to do it, et cetera? And it pretty much was a free agreement among people who were living in the same area. And I think that they had a pretty pretty decent support from, um, uh, you know, less well-to-do people who were the, the riffraff who were living in the colonies at the time. So... You could say then that that was a legitimate form of government, but but then we're gonna say it's uh, you have to 
but you have to re you have to keep on doing that again every generation or something like i don't know it just it just kind of breaks down at a certain point but i do agree with the principle of you know uh, and sorry never mind um (laughs) i do agree with the principle that you know uh the people have a right to say we need change and that that for me, um, as somebody who's a, uh, a Democrat or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, I don't mean the party, but somebody who like really believes in, in um, serious, thoroughgoing democracy, um, that means being able to recall a government and, and redraw up a government for the benefit of the people who are living under it. And, and the same exact principle is what guides me in terms of thinking about socialism and the distribution of goods and uh, more importantly than the distribution of, of goods, the means of production. It's funny because I completely agreed with your first sentence and then completely disagreed with your second sentence. <laughs> but, but, but you said it's the same principle. So it's very interesting to me um, that I completely agree on the one hand and disagree on the other hand. And, and I think the differentiation is that I think you view business owners or, or, or large companies as quasi governments. Is that am I getting that right? Is that why you find those two cases similar and I find them distinctive? I don't know if I would call them quasi governments, but I do think you're touching on um, a, a, a point that is important to me, which is that um, past a certain amount of economic power, uh there's there's an asymmetry between an employer and their workforce to a degree where they really have power over them and that workforce is not free the 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 issue that a lot of uh, people especially people who identify as libertarians tend to take with socialism is that it's an infringement on liberty but I would really turn that on its head and claim, on the contrary, capitalism as it exists today is an infringement on the liberty of many, many more people. Because so many people, you know, we were talking about in, in the case of a, a, a government, like it, it's just where you were born. It's just what you were born into. And that's not fair. Well, a lot of people are born into poverty and it's almost impossible in some of those cases to extract yourself from that poverty on your own. You know, you really need help in order to be able to do it. And if you can't, there are um, corporations, there are capitalists who can take advantage of you and, and really who can exploit you for labor such that they're getting more value out of it than they pay you for. And that is a kind of theft. Or, I mean, so that, a different way to frame the same example would be that if you happen to be born into poverty, which is like as opposed to the where where you happen to be born is what government you're under. Um, the the capitalist who who gives this poor person a job is not responsible. It, it didn't cause that person's poverty, so it's not like. Let's say we're talking about just two people. There's the poor person and the person who owns this business. Um, like if if he gives the guy a job, he's 
he's giving him money that he didn't previously have. So I, I don't know how we can look at him as the bad guy um, when this guy who was born into poverty, you know, at, at no fault of the capitalists, um, and the capitalist is, is giving him a job and, and paying him according to, you know, his, his market rate. And, and, and if living in a society with multiple corporations and they're competing for labor and, and this person can acquire skills that people would want to pay for, I, I only think that's fair. And, and then if the government would come in and force the this person to pay this other person more money, then and this is going to go into kind of a long list of of probably pretty um popular criticisms that I'm sure you've heard but like then where where does this capitalist incentive come from if he wants to continue making good products making money to employ people to um you know if if he has to pay more for workers he'll end up hiring less workers he'll end up um you know less motivated to to produce if if his stuff's getting taxed um yeah how do you, how do you respond to that uh you know i don't think that that's i don't think that there's a a really easy answer to what will the capitalist do when um <laughs> when you rightfully uh take back what he has stolen from his workers and give it to them Wait, that's a, that's a different um, concept. Really you have care. to you have to explain that one a bit more. You can't just jump there. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I want to go back to an earlier point sure. that you were making, though. That the because we we are kind of unavoidably getting into moralizations. Like when you talk about the capitalist is giving person money that they didn't have, and they're giving them a job that they didn't have. Well, okay. I mean, technically that's true, but under like let's assume that there's no government involved for the sake of uh, example and we are in in some you know perfect ancap society the capitalist pays their workers as little as they possibly can so that the worker is able to survive and come back to work the next day that is slavery <laughs> not not if there's another it's, corporation competing for the same worker yeah, okay, sure, but I, e even in this case, I mean, so something that you find in history and including until today is that capitalists, by and large, are more class conscious than workers are. They have more time to think about these things. They have resources, and often what capitalists actually do is instead of competing with each other so much that you know like they completely vanquish one another and whatever and one of them becomes a, another poor person has to work for capitalist a and capitalist b has to work for capitalist a they make deals they get together and they say let's keep the wages down you win and i also win because we're gonna fuck over all these other people that's how they actually operate and you see that in history i mean you see today that companies get together to lobby together to fight against things like a minimum wage increase. Well, well isn't that a problem so of I, how I, much I money can strange. influence our government? Isn't that like a separate problem? Like, I, I agree with you that we, we shouldn't, like these, these lobbying groups should be 
fucking illegal. Not not illegal. You can do whatever you want to try to lobby the government, but the fact that the the government workers are are taking kind of political kickbacks, and that when they quit the government, they get a job in these think tanks, and you know this whole government lobbying complex yeah, so, <laughs> is a fucking yeah, problem. I, <laughs> but I think that's I, a separate problem. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody can agree about that. But I, I mean, setting setting the specifics of it aside, I still think it's an, an illustrative example that just goes to show that the way that they operate is that they will actually cooperate with one another. The, the capitalist class will defend itself as a class, and it does, and it has. And there is competition, but it's... Uh, Can you explain I, I the, con- the concept of the capitalists as a class? Like what, like, what does that mean? Like, isn't... Isn't everyone who participates in capitalism a capitalist? Like, like, why is it only, what, like, what do you mean by class when it comes to capitalists? Like, do do you mean like the wealthy? Are poor people uh, who participate yeah. in capitalism like, not capitalists? I mean, in particular, so when kind of like the first wave of socialists came into existence, um, I think that what they were referring to as as capitalists were the wealthy and and especially um, wealthy landowners, um, wealthy factory owners, people who were profiting off of the labor of others based through their wealth. I mean, that's really the key is that you're not able to do that without wealth. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of the inherent problem of the system is that it's it's a system that inherently privileges wealth it's become you know almost uh almost a stand-in for virtue the way that money is is thought of i mean there's people who think the opposite for sure but there's uh, undeniably a lot of you know money worship that that goes back even before capitalism existed frankly but um yeah, you know, like large scale. I'm not talking about like small mom and pop shops. That's that's a different uh, that's a different thing. Uh, Marx did talk about them, but that's referred to as like the petty bourgeoisie. Um, so they're not, not capitalists. If not you're a mom and pop enemy, store, so they're not a capitalist, according to these definitions. They're operating. They're still operating in the capitalist system, but usually when people talk about capitalists, they're talking about the bourgeoisie the the like the really the one percent kind of you know the people who are holding all of the cards economically so can you explain that that concept that you mentioned before about the capitalists um uh having stolen from the um the workers is that are you talking metaphorically or, or or literally like what do you mean by that well, I mean it literally, but I, um, I mean, in some cases, it's just as simple as workers don't get paid all of the wages that they're due to them, even according to the contracts that they sign. But um, well, that's literal you know, theft. Yes, but I also think that it it is literally theft when you are extorting money from somebody who's compelled to pay it to you. Even even if it's taking the form of a contract, like you can imagine, um, 
um, we're we're hanging out, and uh, like you happen to somehow like you you fall down, and it's steep. There's a slope, and and you're rolling, and it almost off the edge of a cliff, and you you just like catch yourself. Actually, I, I have to give credit. I think I heard Sam Cedar using this example one one time, but um, you catch yourself at the end of the cliff, right? And I'm there, and you call out to me for help. Uh, uh, David, help me out. Just pull me up, buddy. And I come over the edge of the cliff, and I peer down at you, and I say, like, yeah, I want to help you, but um, you got any, do you have any cash in your pocket? And, like, ah, I think so, but what do you care? Just pull me up. And you're, well, how much do you got? Uh, $50? Well, I'll pull you up, but you got to give me that $50. I mean, you know what's so funny? Okay, if you want to talk about like this, <laughs> libertarians have a muscle like this also. This muscle that you just gave, libertarians have a yeah. very similar muscle. <laughs> it's so okay. funny. This guy falls off his his uh, his his terrace. He's on he's on like a, a terrace and he falls off, and the the neighbor downstairs has a flagpole and he grabs onto it to save his life. And the guy says, get off my property. <laughs> but I don't know what the answer is. I mean, because it's, it's, it's a philosophical thing. Because on, on the one hand, like, you, you are stealing, according to libertarian, you know, you're trespassing, right? But uh, on the other hand, you're going to save your life. And that's why I would never fault some, whatever that, that, that song is, right? I'm not going to fault someone for stealing bread, you know, if, if, if they have to live. It makes sense. Right, um, right. But, but it does do violate fault. the principle. <laughs> but you, you do fault the person who refuses to lift up their friend when, or even even a total stranger. You fault somebody for for refusing to help unless they pay them for it. Yeah, I mean, th there's there's uh, there's a lot of cases in between that aren't as obvious. But yes, in such a clear case, I I would m morally. Uh, you know, disagree with that. But, um, you know, if you extend that to, to other circumstances, there's a lot more complicating factors involved, but I do agree. Yeah. I do agree. That's fair. Uh, I mean, my, the point that I'm trying to illustrate here though, is, is that, um, and I, to be clear, like, I don't think that every single person who is a large scale employer has to operate this way there are examples of people being you know decent they're just upstanding that's the kind of person they are the system be damned like they're going to treat their workers as as well as they possibly can and and give them the fairest shake that they can you know uh, engage in profit sharing whatever like yeah people can technically do that and be exceptions to the rule but the rule is you know the game's set up a certain way and it incentivizes people who have the means to continue to um, accumulate capital to themselves. And that does necessarily mean leaving less over for other people. So I, I, I mean, I, I agree with the analysis that ultimately that kind of system isn't sustainable in the long run because it's, it's got a kind of like an infinite hunger for more and more profit and consuming more and more resources in, in order to produce that profit and we don't live in, a, in an infinite world 
So, so on, on I that mean, note, not, not, not talking about the universe, yeah. but the world that we live in, the Earth, right? Where, which is right now the only place that we can live. So far, we're I think we're within thirty years from uh, being on another somewhere, Mars or the Moon or in outer space somewhere, a colony. I think within thirty years. Even even if we're very Inshallah. optimistic and agree with that, <laughs> Inshallah. But <laughs> even even if we um, say that's the that's true, you know, even if we have living spaces on on another moon or planet in our solar system by that time, that will be a very precarious colony that mm-hmm. could easily just go. It's gone, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so and, and it's a very expensive endeavor to do that too. I'm not saying that it's not a worthwhile how, thing. How do we and, get there know. in a socialist society? Like, if we're talking about, like, societies that are not sustainable, and you're saying capitalism isn't sustainable, but from from where I'm sitting, I feel like capitalism drives innovation, and, like, the, the only way that we're going to get to another planet or just to be sustainable in general is through capitalism um, or or, you know, just you know to <laughs> i'll concede for the sake of discussion maybe sat capitalism with some socialism or whatever but if you go full-blown socialism how do you get to um how do you get to a place where you're not stifling innovation where you where you're viewing it as more sustainable than a capitalist society well i to be honest i I think that I would just agree disagree with the premise that capitalism is this kind of like wonder engine of innovation. If you look at Noam Chomsky has like a spiel that he has gone to. I've heard him talk about it a few different times. And I I think it's true that if you look at a lot of the like really major technology that's come out of America and and I don't know the past 80 years or something. I mean, computers, GPS, um, <clears throat> various different, you know, pharmaceutical advances, like all of that stuff actually comes out of government funding or government programs, uh, you know, like military uh, research or grants or, or innovation also happens on univer- on university campuses. I mean, I think that there's a lot of innovation to be had um, just through people being allowed to do what they're really interested in without having to worry about the profit motive. Like, think about yeah, but even, even in those specific do... examples that you named, and, and, and I'm not clear that in the absence of government, we, we, we wouldn't have had those things, but, but even in those examples, um, there's still a profit motive. Even if the, a lot of the funding came from the government, um, it, it was the fact that these people were going to profit off of these inventions, off of the pharma. Don't, don't get me started on pharmaceuticals, uh, like all these things. Um, even if a lot of the funding comes from the government, and uh, you know that I, I don't know how you can say that that is not a function of capitalism. Like in, in a socialist country, uh, society, um, if if there is no profit motive then you're, you're not really incentivizing people with profit and you're giving them just enough funding to to get the research done which i don't know how you would even determine right how do you how do you know beforehand how much it will cost to actually make uh an advancement in something um 
so how how do you get there with pure socialism i don't think that profit is the only motive and i don't think that it's even a particularly good one um <clears throat> you know i in my experience uh people care about relationships people care about in many cases the pursuit of knowledge um of a different different all different kinds you know some people have you know find themselves really like gravitating towards math other people find themselves gravitating more towards literature all, all kinds of preferences going on and you know left to being able to do those things um i think that we have enough people who are really passionate about science and pushing the boundaries of science and just for the sake of achieving innovation because that's something that is an inherent good to a lot of these you know uh a, a lot of these students and professors at all different college you know campuses across the nation that's what they really care about and finding a job in our capitalist society is a necessary evil for a lot of people um <clears throat> So that's my answer. I mean, I, I just don't think that it's necessary. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to uh, praise the totalitarian regimes of like, you know, the Soviet Union or communist China. Um, but I would still point out that those economies achieved a lot very, very rapidly. And in spite of all of their failings, there are also things that, you know, like they legitimately um, undertook programs that did real good in their societies. And, and that doesn't excuse any of the bad stuff that, that came afterwards. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you will find communists even today that, that will say like, no, Stalin was fine. I'm not one of those. <laughs> But, <laughs> but but some, but, uh, some people would say not only does it not excuse it, but it's a little bit inevitable. But <laughs> that's not a real argument because I don't, right, I don't but, have anything to back it. So we don't you don't really have to answer that. <laughs> but right, that but, is definitely I mean, something that people say. Yeah, but I mean, right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, just looking at those programs by themselves, though, you can see that they they aside from other things that took place, they work. You know, people were able to, um, you know, people were able to live in state housing and go to school for free. You know, I mean, we have free school until high school. I don't see why there's any reason that we shouldn't have free college. How about free the fact education. that college it is, is useless and most people shouldn't be going? Well, I, I mean, I disagree with that entirely. <laughs> I think that there's, there, I think that there's, plenty of useful knowledge to be had from college. Although I, I would agree that like, you know, some things that people study, they don't find use for later we, on. We, we both agree that the, the price for college isn't worth it in most cases, right? <laughs> You're saying if I it's... think that college is ter terribly overpriced. Terribly um, overpriced. Switching gears a little bit. How, how did you discover socialism? Were you always a socialist? How'd you get into it? Um, that's a good question. I, I actually don't, really know um i guess i was kind of curious about these sorts of questions as a teenager and 
wasn't really sure where I landed on anything, but I've, I've always had, I'd say just kind of like altruistic leanings in terms of my moral view of the world. Um, and so like, I remember even in, in high school knowing basically nothing about Ayn Rand, but from the little that I did here, I was just like, this is not, I'm not interested in that. This sounds like garbage. That's my origin point going the opposite direction. It's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't inspire me, but, uh, I, I just do remember that as like, I, I don't get it. Why, why do people think that this is good? It's terrible. Um, I didn't even read it, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I have heard like well, it, it is very stuff. long. So if you did want to read it, you, there, she has some shorter ones. Like I think the anthem is quite short. Like Atlas Shrugged is just like a, a really long one. Um, I recommend all of them, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to force you to read something that's that uh, torturous. But I think I think <laughs> I think the anthem is pretty short. It's basically uh, uh, in a society that has gotten rid of its individuality to the point where it's illegal to say words like I or me. It's very extremist, but it's interesting. Oh, well, if you ask some people, we're headed there. Well, well, <laughs> if, if you ask me, we're, we're headed in a direction that is not quite perpendicular to there. So perhaps, but I don't, I don't want to say that we are. I hope that we're not. I know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Um, um here's maybe a tough question can you name something you like about capitalism well i mean i did mention before that i i, I think that it was for sure an improvement over uh previous um iterations of economic development you know uh definitely better to have capitalism than to have feudalism um and i mean if we're kind of lumping the industrial revolution in together with capitalism uh it created more abundance in the world than had previously been seen although i wouldn't concede the point that you only get that with a capitalist economy that was gonna be my next question i just don't agree with that (laughs) i do think that it it probably was a necessary step uh given given the the historical you know development and in developed countries at the time i don't think that you avoid I don't think that you can jump over capitalism to get to socialism from from there. I don't think you can be in feudalism and then skip over to socialism. It's probably not possible, but there's always a caveat. So I don't know. Yeah, very interesting. Um, all right, David, we are getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing, if you had to choose only one thing, that you want me and all of our listeners to know about socialism? Oh God! I wish I knew that that question was coming uh, earlier. <laughs> um, I guess the the one takeaway that I really want to have is that it is uh it is democracy for economic power, and it is exactly that. So, if you're pro democracy, you should be pro socialism. And now I know. <laughs> <laughs> 